0: Amen. Let's all stand. God's great and greatly to be praised. God is good. His mercy endureth forever. Amen. Praise God. He's here today. Let's entertain His presence. Let's seek His face. Let's call out to Him. Let's be found of Him today. Allow Him to minister to whatever situation, circumstance you face. Amen. And let's move forward in Him today. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. We worship and we praise You. We laud and we magnify our Creator, our Lord and our Savior, in this place today. We're believing awesome things of an awesome God today. You are altogether sovereign in this and in every place. We worship You. We laud and we magnify You. We heap glory and honor unto You. Because You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the Lion of the tribe of Judah. We seek Your face today. We seek to enter into Your presence today. We seek the will of the Lord manifest in this place today. Let all of Your heart, let all of Your desire be manifest here in our midst this morning. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name that You would minister to every need, that You would meet every need in this place today. You are infinite. You are absolute. There is nothing that You cannot accomplish for us. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that Your mercy would wax bold and strong upon Your people today. Your grace, Your compassion. Hallelujah, Jesus. Cause us to enter into Your presence with joy and with gladness and with thanksgiving of heart, entertaining the presence of God. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, help us to become Christ-like. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be like You. Let Your name be glorified in our midst here this morning in these things we ask in Jesus' name. We worship You. We worship You. We laud and we magnify You. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We delight ourselves in You. We are so thankful for You. We are so thankful for Your so great salvation that You purchased for us at Calvary. We are so thankful, Lord Jesus, that You paid the just punishment of my sins. Hallelujah, Jesus. They were my sins to pay, but You paid them. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. He's an awesome God, folks. Every day I serve Him is an absolute joy. Every day that I serve Him, good, bad, or indifferent otherwise, I enter into His presence. I feel His touch. I hear His voice. And everything is made new. Everything is right again. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Our youth can be dismissed at this time. Amen. By way of review, last week we talked about uh, Jesus being crucified between two thieves. He was crucified with thieves. Indicating... To the crowd, that he was a common degenerate criminal, the lowest of the low, guilty of heinous crimes. He was placed in the center of the three as the worst of them and the one they wanted you to pay attention to. The thieves were irrelevant, they didn't matter, but Jesus, that was the prize, that was the goal, that was the victory. Rome placed a sign on on, uh, his cross, declaring him king of the Jews. Rome was stating in no uncertain terms, this is what we do to those who would raise themselves up against Caesar, declaring themselves king. God had other ideas, of course. We understand that. But Rome was stating, no one is higher than Caesar. The Romans and the Jews mocked and ridiculed Jesus. The Romans mockingly made Him out to be royalty, gave Him a reed scepter, a crown of thorns, wrapped a robe of scarlet around Him, and even mockingly bent the knee and declaring Him to be King of the Jews. And then they mercilessly whipped and beat Him before nailing Him to a cross. The Jews mocked Him as their Messiah. If the Romans were mocking His kingship, the Jews were mocking his Messiahship. Matthew 27, 39 through 43 uh, declares all of that. They reviled him, wagging their heads. Thou that destroyest the temple, buildest it in three days, save thyself if thou be the Son of God. Come down from the cross. They mocked him and mocked him and mocked him, throwing what he said back in his face. Trusted in God, let him deliver him now if he'll have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The two thieves mocked him. Matthew twenty seven, forty-four declares, The thieves also, plural, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. One, for whatever reason, has a change of heart. One realized his need of a savior. The other one also realized he needed saving, at least someone to get him off of the cross. But his approach to Jesus was arrogant and demanding and and ordering. The other, realizing his need, confessed his sins to Jesus and asked if he'd remember Him when He came into His kingdom. Two men, same exact situation, both in the presence of God. One is saved and the other is not. We don't understand that all the time, but That's the way human nature works. That's the way human wills work. Jesus came to forgive us, to save us, to set us free. No matter what, no matter who, no matter when, no matter why. He came to save you, to deliver you, to set you free. Oh, I love Him. Praise God. Daily devotions. Day one. When Satan speaking through the Pharisees was was Satan speaking through the Pharisees when they said, "Come down from the cross if he be the Son of God." I thought this was an interesting point. This is the same exact statement that Satan himself made tempting Jesus in the wilderness. Matthew four three says, when the tempter came to him, he said, "If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread." Verse six of the same chapter he saith unto him, "If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down." I thought that was an interesting point. Jesus said earlier that they were the children of Satan. John 8:44 said, You have your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. Well, it's pretty obvious that he was speaking through them while Jesus was hanging on the cross. It also goes on to say, Worldly success is not a source of joy. Very often it requires a continual unrest to achieve and then to maintain worldly success. True joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It is absolutely separate and irrelevant from circumstance and situation. And only God can give it. Only God can give you joy. You can find temporary happiness. A lot of people are seeking that today uh, as the the be-all and end-all of human existence. I can just be happy. I'm I'm with this person because they make me happy. Well, that's a recipe for failure. Because at some point, they're going to make you unhappy. I promise you that. And then it's all done. We're looking for joy. Happiness is fleeting. It's temporary. Like riches, like anything else in this world, it's fleeting. Don't seek that. Seek joy. Seek the fruit of the Spirit. They're permanent. They're eternal. And again, only God can give them. Day two, for people raised in other religions or raised with no religion, the Bible can be as difficult to understand as hieroglyphics. And we've heard messages on this before, but it's, it's good to be reminded. Words we take for granted, sin, salvation, etc. They have no idea what you're talking about. They've heard the words before, probably, but probably also not in the context in which we use them. Acts 8:30 30 and 31 says, And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Esaias, and said, Understandest what thou readest? And he said, how can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. That's why we teach Bible studies, folks. People without the Holy Ghost come down, without a relationship with God, they open the Bible, and it's, it's meaningless. I, I don't understand what this is saying. I don't understand what the big deal is. I remember thinking that. What if someone explains it? someone comes along and guides you, that's our job. That's our job, to teach, to be apt to teach, to explain in a manner that they can understand what God is trying to tell them. Day three. I'm not going to read the entire devotional, but it was really good. Uh, But it ends up by saying, when we prioritize virtue and integrity over revenge, we will leave behind a victorious legacy instead of a legacy of victimhood. Folks, God came to set us free. God came to give us victory. We are not victims. We are not victims of circumstance or situation. And anybody that has a victim mentality simply does not understand what Jesus came to do for them. They don't. Because if they understood that Jesus came to set us free, to give us victory every day of our lives... I don't feel victorious. You're not always going to feel victorious. And you're not always going to seem like you have victory every day of your life. But you do. You do have victory, even when it seems like I'm being defeated, even when it seems like all of hell is coming against me. I have victory, folks, because Jesus purchased it for me. Jesus fights my battles for me. God can't lose. You certainly can't lose against the devil. There's no possible way that could happen. So when Jesus fights for us, we have victory. Don't go by your feelings. Don't go by what the enemy is trying to tell you. You have victory every day of your life in Jesus. Day four, fear is almost never a good thing in our lives, but fearing God. Meaning, of course, a holy reverence and a deep respect is always a good thing. We're not afraid of God. We're not afraid to come into his presence, fearful. But we do reverence and we, we we respect him as the King of Kings and as the Lord of Lords. Proverbs nine ten says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We're not going to have any wisdom at all unless we first fear God, respect him, reverence him, set him apart as Lord in our lives. 2 Corinthians 7 and 1 says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Amen. Fear of the Lord is always a good thing. We must reverence and respect Him because He's worthy of it. Day 5. What I got out of this devotional is that there's nothing down here that can compare to heaven. There's just nothing for us down here that would be able to keep us from our heavenly home. I hope, I hope we're all in agreement with that. This world has nothing for us. It has baubles, it has trinkets, it has facades that look nice and shiny and bright and fun from a distance. But when we get up close, we see how ugly and disgusting this world really is. This world system is just degenerate beyond, beyond measure. There's nothing here for us. Separate yourselves from this untoward world, this untoward generation. The most beautiful place in the world is cursed by sin. There are beautiful places in this world, absolutely. This area is beautiful, it's gorgeous. This is God's country, folks. Amen. But it has a sin curse on it, and it's finite. It's going to be destroyed one day. But heaven is eternal. Heaven is forever. And there's no curse in heaven. Heaven is perfect. And we don't understand what that means. We know what the word means. We can define it dictionary-wise. But I don't, know, I, I don't understand the full ramifications of what that word means. Just like infinite. I can't, I can't fully grasp it. But we're going to. We're going to. I prefer heaven. I prefer the hope that I have in Jesus Christ over anything in this world. Amen. Amen. This month, we're going to start a series called Kingdom Living. We're going to look closely at the Sermon on the Mount, the way Jesus calls us to live as His disciples. These lessons will investigate the life God blesses, the mission of every disciple, the disciplines of a disciple, and the importance of seeking first the kingdom, the priority of obedience. The truths highlighted in the teachings of Jesus on the mount are crucial for the life and spiritual health of every believer. This series will encourage us to live as children of the King. Amen. We so desperately need to understand who we are in God. Praise God. Our scripture text is found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Very familiar to most of us. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12 states this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. A farmer and his young son who were working in the fields during a particularly dry summer were out working. They were working long. They were working hard. The sky had frequently been cloudy, but there had been no rain for weeks. Then suddenly, as it sometimes happens in the Midwest, the wind and sky took a sudden turn. It's going to rain, the farmer shouted to his son. Let's head to the house. The pair ran across the field, traversing ditches and navigating around fence posts. The rain had already started falling when the father and son reached the field near the house, but the dirt had quickly become muck. As the boy came around the corner to the front porch steps, he slipped and tumbled headlong into a puddle. The father couldn't resist a chuckle as he quickly passed quickly picked up his mud caked son and carried him under the porch, safe from the rain. Inside, his mother cried out, Don't track anything in here! I'll get you both some towels. Wait outside. Like mothers do. (laughs) As the father and son stood shivering on the porch, the boy... They weren't coming inside. Not for any reason. The boy began to grumble his complaints as his father wiped the mess from his face and hair. I hate the rain, the boy blurted out. What good is it anyway? The father laughed, again, empathizing with his son's miserable state. Son... You have no idea how much good this rain does us. The rain is a blessing for everyone and everything around here. The soaked and filthy boy was skeptical. To everyone and everything? How so? Well, you know, the rain barrels by the house? Why, if it wasn't for the rain, we would not have any drinking water or water for baths. We're going to have full barrels of fresh, cool water tomorrow morning. And the crops need the rain, too. If it did not rain, none of the vegetables would grow, and we wouldn't have anything to feed ourselves or sell in town. And, of course, all this rain will keep the weather cool for the animals, and while you might not like all this mud, the pigs are going to love it. And you know that brook you like fishing in? All this rain means that stream is going to run high the next few days. There's going to be lots of fish. Plus, the rain will clear a lot of the dust, making the air cleaner and easier to breathe. So, you see, the rain benefits us in different ways depending on what's needed. But it's always a blessing. Amen. God loves to pour out His blessings on His children, but especially on those, it seems, who are pained, weary, or downtrodden. He loves to bless those who are empty. Isaiah 61, 1 and 2 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus quoting that stops here, but it continues, the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. These groups of people are empty. They have a nagging deficit deep in their souls, yearning for something more. Maybe you remember feeling that way. I do. I remember feeling that way just like it was yesterday. Searching for something more, something real. Knowing I, I was missing something, but I had no clue what. Until told Jesus, praise God. It's obvious Jesus loved these kinds of people as evidenced by those who followed Him. Prostitutes, tax collectors, publicans, sinners. Those are the ones Jesus frequented the most. those who needed healing, the blind, the lepers. When the Pharisees asked Jesus why He associated with this strata of society, Jesus responded Luke 5:31 and 32, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. If you're good, there's nothing I can do for you. If you have a need, I can help. Maybe we should focus more of our ministry efforts on the empty of society and less on the full, like Jesus did. Jesus came to save everybody. <laughs> this doesn't apply, but it was. It came to my mind. I think it's kind of funny. I was listening to a thing on on universities, their harassment policies, and uh, (laughs) this guy writing an article concluded by saying, Yes, all offenses are equal. It's just that some are more equal than others. (laughs) (coughs) Like I said, it has nothing to do with this message. but Anyway. Matthew 5, 3-11 is famously known as the Beatitudes. It began Jesus' well-known Sermon on the Mount. The first group of Beatitudes could be categorized as empty, the poor in spirit, they that mourn, the meek, the hungry for righteousness. What does poor in spirit mean? We only find this phrase one time in the Bible, and that's Matthew 5, 3. There is apparently some contention as to what this verse means. For me, at least, it means seeing ourselves as we truly are. Desperate, insufficient, and in need of a Savior. I am altogether inadequate to meet my needs, particularly the need of salvation. Mourning. We all know what mourning is. We've all mourned. We've all been in the presence of loved ones who were mourning. It's typically caused by loss. The death of a loved one. Really any loss. Loss of a job. Friend broke up with me. Uh... My beautiful car broke down. Do we mourn? Or did we mourn? When we realized how poor in spirit we really were. How separated from a holy God by sin that we were. Again, remembering when I first approached God. When I first approached Jesus at an altar. I remember, I remember the feelings that we're going through. I was smitten. I was convicted. I was coming before holiness personified. And I was a sinner. And I was made full aware of it. I mourned on that day. I mourned my sin, my actions, my decisions. It should cause us to mourn that I've offended a holy and righteous God. But it's God's great pleasure to comfort those that mourn. He desires to comfort us. John fourteen twenty six says, "The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in My name." He refers to himself as the Comforter in several places. He comforts all those that mourn. Meekness. We know that meekness is not weakness. It's not cowardice. It's patience and long suffering, even in the face of persecution. When we're emptied of pride and self and demonstrate patience, even in the face of persecution, that's meekness. And God promises that the meek will inherit the earth. Hunger for righteousness. When you're hungry, folks, when you're really deep down hungry, there's there's kind of a a perfect storm in my life when it comes to food. One, I'm really hungry. And two, I'm in the mood to eat something. They don't always coincide for whatever reason. I can be really hungry, but just not really in the mood to eat anything. And vice versa. (laughs) But when those two coincide, Man, I'm in for a treat. When I eat then, man, that's a satisfying meal. I get full, and oh, it's so good. But how hungry are we for God's righteousness? Does it overwhelm us like that? Does it occupy our thoughts? Folks, when I'm, we're working on a job site or something, we get really hungry, and there's no food around, and you know it. I can't, you can't get your mind off of it. Oh man, I can't wait until I take a break and get something to eat. You think about it. It's on your, it's on your mind. Oh man, what am I going to eat? Oh boy, it's going to be good. Does that, does that occupy our thoughts with righteousness? Does thoughts of righteousness, hungering for righteousness, does that occupy our thoughts? Do we become ravenous for, for that? God's righteousness. When we do, folks. When we hunger and thirst for it, God will satisfy our desires and He'll fill us. Amen. He will give us His righteousness. We will be in right standing with Him. We need to trust God to fill our emptiness with good things. It's sometimes easier to give God those things we know we have, rather than empty ourselves and then allow God to fill that with things pleasing to Him. When there's areas of our lives that need to be worked out. Maybe old hurts, bitterness, unforgiveness. Something along those lines. And God makes us aware of them. It's hard to empty that out. It's hard to take that out and start unpacking it. Let God work that out in us. And then afterward, replace it with something that pleases Him. can we trust God to do that? Can we trust God to empty us out of those things that displease Him? Those things that will hurt us? Folks, I, I made mention last time of, of anxiety and, and and worry. I hope I didn't come across wrong when I said that or, or stupid or anything like that. But that... If I'm anxious about something or worried, that's indicative of something in my spirit, folks. I'm not trusting God with something in my life. I, I feel like I have to take care of it. And yeah, if i got to take care of it, I'm going to be anxious. I'm going to be a little bit worried. Because I don't know if I can. But I know God can. I know God can take care of anything that I'm going through. Anything in my life. If I, if I have bitterness... If I have unforgiveness, God can take care of that for me. If I give it to Him, if I let that, Him work that out in me, God gives more grace, folks. I can live a life of peace and joy. I gotta tell you, these last few weeks, I'm on a mountaintop. I'm just, I'm just ecstatic. I'm, I'm jacked. I'm pumped. I'm excited about serving God. I can't think of anything wrong in my life right now. Now, I know this too shall come to pass. I get that. It has to come to pass. Because there's still things in my life that need to be worked out. I'm not Christ-like yet. And it's not going to get worked out here. But while I am here, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to get as close to God as I can. Praise God. I know there are others out here Uh, within the sound of my voice, they're not on a mountaintop right now. You're going through the thick of it. We talked about the rain being a blessing for everybody. The same Spirit, the same God, that I'm coming to on the mountaintop, you're coming to in the valley. And God blesses us both. And He takes care of us both. When I'm in the valley and you're on the mountaintop, we're still approaching the same God. And He's going to bless us both. Amen. Same thing applies to you in the valley. This too shall come to pass. Praise God. God thrives on using empty vessels to perform His will. 1 Kings 17, 12-16 We won't take the time to read it, but Elijah's telling the widow woman, Give me some bread to eat. She's like, I just I just got enough for this one little meal and then we're gonna die. I just like, you make me the meal, and God will bless what's left. God will bless that. And sure enough, verse sixteen says, The barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. God multiplied it and made it last. He filled it, continued to fill it. In second Kings four, verses two through six Elisha told her, go borrow vessels, as many as you can. And take that one cruise of oil that you have and fill the other ones. As As much as she had, she was able to fill them all. When there was no more left, the cruise of oil stayed. God delights in filling empty vessels, folks. He delights in it. He rejoices in it. Praise God. He blesses those that are full. While God is especially concerned for the empty, His blessings are for all seasons of life. The One who commanded us in Romans 12.15 to rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep, He does that with us as well. When we're in a period of rejoicing, He's rejoicing too. When we're in a period of mourning, He mourns with us. He walks through that valley with us. Amen. God celebrates in good times as well as helps in bad. We can seek Him not simply for our needs, but we can seek Him to rejoice in His presence for the victories He's won for us. Amen. Wouldn't that be awesome? I know God delights to meet all of our needs, but I have to think that He's also also pleased when we... We thank Him for the victories. We thank Him for... I don't need anything today, God. I just want to thank You. I just want to worship You. Amen. This next group of Beatitudes could be classified as the full. Full of mercy. Full of purity. Full of peace. Mercy. We talked about that all last month. Forgiveness. When we give mercy, we receive mercy. Period. If we don't give mercy then what? We don't receive it. That's right. There is a general principle of sowing and reaping at work here. Luke 6.38 Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. We like to rejoice about that verse, and I think rightly so. But that can turn around and bite us, too, if we're not careful. What are we sowing? If we're sowing good things, we'll reap good things. Sowing mercy, we reap mercy. Sowing righteousness, we reap righteousness. If we're sowing bitterness, division, discord, that's what we reap. Pure in heart relates to sincerity and holiness, which results in seeing God. We cannot fully discover God unless we first know Him in purity and holiness. And holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. This does not mean we've arrived and are now perfect, but that our heart is single. It's undivided. We're pursuing God with singleness of heart. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We're not on the fence about our relationship with Jesus. We've settled it in our hearts and in our minds. This is what I am going to do from this point forward. This is who I am from this point forward. I'm a child of God and I serve the King, period. I don't care what circumstances or situations arise, I don't care what voices come into my little pea brain. I'm serving Jesus Christ serving Him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength until He comes and takes me home. I've made up my mind. I'm not divided. I'm not on the fence. I'm not wishy-washy. There is nothing that can happen as I see it that can come into my life and take me away from God. There is no one that can come into my life and take me away from God. I have determined in my heart. And I make up my mind every single day. I manage that decision. Every single morning I get up. I'm serving you today. I'm a child of the King today. Peacemakers. John 14:27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And that's why I have a problem with anxiety certainly in my own life. I've been anxious. I've been worried. I've I've experienced all of that. I know what it is. But when I discovered that Jesus can take care of that for me, when I discovered that when I truly trust in Him, no matter what happens, you know, sometimes uh, I'm going to trust Jesus for this situation thinking that when I give it to Him, things are just going to start working out. Well, what if they don't start working out? What if I give a situation to God and it seems to get worse? What then? Well, God's not doing anything with this. I'm going to take it back. It was better when I had it. Don't do that. God is working it out, folks. But you got to trust Him with it. You've got to keep trusting Him with it. Don't take it back. That's indicating that you do not trust Him with it. Let Him have it. Let Him keep it. It's getting worse. That's fine. God's got this. I promise you, it's going to turn around. And it's going to work out for your good and for His glory. Because you gave it to Him. You've released God into that situation. Folks, you release God into a situation. It's done. It's taken care of. Let Him have it. Let Him keep it. Don't take it back. Folks, He's he's trustworthy. He's worthy of our trust. John 13.35 says, By this shall all men know that you are My disciples, if ye have love one for another. The way we will know who we are and whose we are is our actions toward others, our love, the peace that we demonstrate in our lives. These things that God blesses us with are not meant to stay with us. We are to share them with others. God has given us mercy. Mercy unimaginable. I need to share that with someone else. I need to be merciful with someone else. Why? Because Jesus was merciful with me. I need to love someone else with the love of God. Why? Because Jesus loved me. God doesn't bless His people just to bless us. They're designed to flow through us as well as into us. If we look at Genesis twelve two. Jesus, God, is talking to Abram. I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee. Okay, fantastic. And make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. So, he's going to be blessed, and he in turn will turn around and bless others. How can we bless someone today with those things God has blessed us with? And I'm not necessarily talking about a financial blessing. We could always use more money, right? I don't know if anybody. Uh, I have too much money. I don't know anyone like that. Maybe there's someone out there like that, but I don't know anyone like that. I don't think he would say that either. He'd probably say, I just need a little bit more. <clears throat> People need healings in their bodies. People need you know, all kinds of things. But what do we really need? What what is what is our foundational, fundamental need? How about mercy? How about love? How about peace? How about joy? How about the fruit of the spirit? Folks, if I have those things, I can go through illness and sickness. I can go through. Uh, I can go through most anything. If I have the fruit of the Spirit in my life, I can endure anything Jesus puts me in. If, if, I'm, if I'm in a situation by the will of God, I can make it through that. Praise God. I'm not going to like it necessarily. It's not going to be overjoyous and, and all of that. But I can make it. And I can have joy. And I can have peace. And I can love and be loved in the middle of any situation. When I have those things, when we have those things, folks, we are secure. We have everything that we need. That's what people need in this world. They don't need money. They don't need more stuff. They think they do. They don't need a different relationship. They need a a relationship with Jesus. For sure. And everything that He can provide. They need to receive His love. They need to receive His forgiveness. Amen. The final group mentioned by Jesus in the Beatitudes were the persecuted. Now, persecution takes many forms. If you read Fox's Book of Martyrs, uh, that's, some pretty, that's some pretty serious persecution in there. Uh, people being burned at the stake, beheaded, fed to lions, uh, all kinds of things. That's persecution, folks. Persecution could be as simple as being mocked at work. Being ridiculed for your faith. I wouldn't put that on the same level, but that is persecution as well. It takes many forms, but regardless of what persecution looks like, those who suffer it can expect God's blessings. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you. And persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. When we're persecuted for righteousness sake, you know, uh, persecution is not unique to Christianity. But, uh, People are persecuted for all kinds of reasons. Ethnic, racial, uh, man, woman. There's all kinds of persecution in the world today. None of it's good. So it's not unique to Christianity, but when we're persecuted for righteousness' sake, we will receive heaven and a great reward in heaven. But remember, if you're not exercising the fruit of the Spirit, if you're not being persecuted for righteousness' sake, uh, if I can say it this way, if you're just being persecuted because you're a jerk, uh, there's no reward for that. Sorry. (laughs) That's all on you. Now, there's a difference between being persecuted for righteousness' sake and being persecuted for God's sake. They're very similar. Persecution for righteousness' sake could be simply standing up for principles of goodness, truth, morality, justice, etc. Suffering for God's sake is persecution directly related to our Christian beliefs. For example, being mocked for our godly dress, our theological positions, our testimony for Jesus... When we know we're in line with God's will for our lives and we experience this type of persecution, we should not despair but rejoice. We should rejoice, and that seems contradictory. But, again, proper perspective. If we see these things the way Jesus does, if we look at these situations from an eternal perspective, not a temporal, not an immediate But an eternal perspective. This is working out for my good, and doesn't that place us in good company? Who else was persecuted? Well, the prophets, the apostles, Jesus. I think we're in pretty good company. John fifteen eighteen through twenty. This is Jesus speaking specifically about this. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. I don't want to be a part of this world, folks. I don't want the world to love me. I don't want to receive the the love of the world. If I have the love of the world, the love of the Father is not in me. These two are at war against each other, folks. You can't have both. You can't be accepted by the world and live as a Christian you got to choose one. And you got to go all in. When I say twos, I mean twos. 100%. I'm all in with the world, or I'm all in with Jesus Christ. Because you can't have a mix of both. The Bible says, Jesus says, eventually you're going to choose one. You can't serve God and mammon. You're going to pick one at some point. Choose Jesus? We should acknowledge our continual need of God. Just as the rain produces a wide variety of benefits, the same Spirit can simultaneously bless a church full of people who each need something unique from God. And this has never ceased to amaze me. How someone can get up and preach a message and, I mean, there's at a big like a big conference and hundreds, thousands of people there And God can do something with every single one of them in that hour or so that the guy is speaking. God can touch thousands of unique situations at the same time. That's amazing to me how He does that. He speaks a word to someone. and I've had people come up to me. I've gone up to to preachers. Oh man, that, that you were speaking right that's just doesn't even remember saying that. Glad it ministered to you. But I don't remember saying that. <laughs> but I know he did. It's just amazing. So if the Lord speaks right to you, I mean receive that. That's awesome. That is so cool. We all experience different seasons of life, but we turn to the same God for each of them. No matter what situation, no matter what season of life we're going through, uh, whatever it is, God can touch that. God can place His hand in that situation and minister to it. Let God be released into that situation, whatever it is. However, in order to receive these blessings... We've got to collectively and individually acknowledge our need of His blessings. Amen. In all things, God is a gentleman. I tell Him, I'm good. I don't need that. Okay. I'll keep it. But if I'll come to Him, I have a need. I'm asking that you take care of this. He's delighted to do so very happy to do so. We must approach Him, ask Him, and trust that He'll supply our need. Amen. The Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, is awesome. Uh, It is God's... um, Basically, his, His declaration of a new covenant. He's introducing a new covenant. And um, this is the king. This is the king making his declaration. The Beatitudes, I've heard it said, those attitudes that we ought to be, they are spiritual. They come through the Spirit. We seek God for them. This is part of becoming Christ-like. I can't of myself have joy. I can't of myself hunger and thirst for righteousness. I can't of myself demonstrate mercy in every situation. I need God to do that through me. I certainly can't love anyone. I didn't even love myself. And most people don't. But God loved me. And I received that love, so now I can love other people with the love of the Lord, but only because of Him. Although the story at the beginning of the lesson was fictional, the struggles we face daily are real. It's possible for a pastor to speak at a funeral, grieving, officiate a wedding, celebrating, and be mocked by co-workers for his faith at his part-time job, all in the span of a couple days. It's also common for Christians to go through, It's also common for Christians to go through seasons of mourning and seasons of celebration. Sadly, many do not realize they are in days of celebration until the days of mourning come. I have heard it said one way, I wish there was a way to know that we were in the good old days before the good old days ended. <laughs> We must all stay in tune with God's blessings in our lives and continually communicate with Him. Jesus told another better-known parable about fathers and sons in Matthew 7, 7 7-12. Jesus spoke generally about the nature of fatherhood, what type of father would not give good gifts to his children. Moreover, if a father loves his children, he will certainly not give them anything that could harm them. Most fathers cannot imagine giving their hungry son a stone instead of bread, or a dangerous serpent instead of some tasty meat. If this is true of earthly, flawed, imperfect fathers, think how much more this must be true of our perfect, heavenly Father. God desires to bless us and has the ability to do so more than we could ever imagine. In order to receive these blessings, we must be willing to ask. God listens to those who cry out to Him. He promised, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened." However, immediately after speaking about seeking for good things from God and reflecting on the nature of fathers giving gifts to their sons, Jesus gave the encouragement commune, commonly known as the golden rule. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would, that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Matthew 7:12. Even in a conversation about praying for and receiving good gifts from our heavenly Father, Jesus gave a poignant reminder that these gifts are not for our benefit only. The blessings we receive from God should cause us to grow in love, respect, and compassion for our neighbors. Only when we receive this revelation will we fulfill the command given to Abraham in which we are blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Let's all stand. Once we get a revelation of what God desires to do in our lives. The love that He has for each of us as individuals. Once we get that revelation, folks, there's no stopping us. There's no stopping what God can do in you and through you to bless you, to be a blessing to others through you. Amen. He desires to do so much in our lives. Such wonderful things in our lives if we'll let Him, if we'll seek Him. Praise God. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. I am so thankful for You. Thankful for what You're desiring to do in this place today. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would receive the Word of truth, that we would begin to walk in accordance with the truths that we find therein. I pray, Lord Jesus, that Your name would be glorified in all that we do, all that we say, all that we think. Continue to move mightily in the remainder of our service. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. I will be back again at a quarter till.